Welcome back to the Health, Wealth, and Happiness podcast with your host, Natalie Bolin. And Bailey Graff, where together we create a safe space that allows you to live your best life. In this episode, we are living our best lives by living by our human design. Yes, Nikki was so kind to give us a live reading in this episode, and it was just really cool to hear our charts, hear what they meant, how they relate to each other in like a working environment. Um, and I feel like it's a common theme where even like our astrology charts and all of that, like align working relationship wise for Bailey and I, which is always a nice little reminder. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's evident by the way we work together, but Nikki really takes the human design to the next level in this episode too. We did have another episode with Marissa Nash of the well studio. That was episode 27. So if you're looking for more of the beginning aspects of human design, that's a really good place to start, but this is a, such a fun episode because we really get deep into the human design, which is just so much fun. Yeah. And I feel like if you have your chart, you could have that open and kind of see if you have any similarities because she even touches on some things in her chart. So you could kind of get, you know, pick and choose and put together some aspects of your own chart if you want to start doing some research on your own. Yeah. And something else that we touch on is manifestation, which I feel like we haven't talked about in a while. And I'm going to be honest, going back and editing this episode has gotten me back into like my manifesting game which is exciting because it's a fun thing to, you know, bring back into your life. And I think we always need that. I really loved Nikki's philosophy and thoughts behind manifestation. So it's definitely a good listen. And to get more into Nikki and her bio. So Nikki Brofman is a spiritual life and business coach, manifestation teacher, podcast host, and mom. She uses human design, her business acumen, and our deep curiosity to show people that they can get exactly what they want by returning to their unique selves. She helps solopreneurs, lost souls, and corporate teams to explore inner genius and balance the chaos that innately comes from living life in the flow of your unique genius. And something fun that she's currently doing is something called Love Texts, which is a daily dose of love to inspire, amplify curiosity, and help you love yourself more deeply. Um, It's a subscription service, and she texts you every day, something fun and nice, something just to brighten up your day. Yeah, and something that we know Nikki definitely likes, because we've seen her post about it is Rasa. And we can't talk enough about Rasa. Um, Bailey has been drinking it herself with a little 50-50, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. I just did a big order of it, but my current, and they don't have it in stock right now, but I believe it's their turmeric chai. Um, I've been doing 50% coffee, 50% turmeric chai, and it tastes like a pumpkin spice latte. It's the best thing ever. And, you know, you've got those adaptogens, you've got the anti-inflammatory turmeric. Like I just feel like a million bucks when I'm drinking it and it makes me so happy. So if you're interested to try Rasa for yourself, definitely go to our show notes. The link will be there and use, be sure to use code HWHPOD at checkout to save on your first order. And this week we should be having a newsletter come out. So join our mailing list to get that. You'll get a journal prompt, a little highlight of all of the episodes we've had this month and maybe a little sneak peek. Yes. And always follow our Instagram for some behind the scenes or just visuals of the podcast episodes. Um, It's a really fun place and we like seeing your faces as well. So follow us at HWHPod on Instagram. 
And if you like this episode, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. We would appreciate that. But before you do that, listen to this episode and enjoy. I'm curious to hear how you discovered human design. So let's start there and talk a little bit about yourself before we get into our charts and a little bit of a reading. Absolutely. So in 2018, I quit my job as a startup executive. I had spent about 10 years, the first 10 years of my career running, like sprinting up a corporate and startup ladder. Um, to get to where people said was like the place I should be. Right. And I had everything I should have. I had the salary and the title and the frequent flyer miles and the mental illness that all people who climb the ladder very fast have (laughs) or tend to have. I won't assume everything. Um, I was totally morally bankrupt, mentally ill, physically hurting. And I said, like, I need a break. I need to look within. I need to figure out why so many of these toxic situations um, are so magnetic to me, not in like a poor me, everything bad is happening to me, but like, why is this the energy that I'm resonating with pretty toxic people and pretty toxic stuff. And so I took some time and I started my business as a business coach and consultant, because I have my MBA. I spent 10 years in startup industry. I decided to do low hanging projects social media consulting, website consulting, um, all those kinds of things. And one thing that I found was that when my clients spent like just five hours at the beginning of any project talking to me in not a therapy driven way, but in a coaching context where we were figuring out, you know, why are we really doing this project? What does this really matter? Everything went exponentially more smoothly. (laughs) So Once I got into that, I had an amazing client and she came to me and she said, have you heard of human design? And I was like, well, I've heard of it. Like, I think I read a group article Um, and I love all things spiritual and woo woo. I felt like before I started my business, my life and my persona were totally bifurcated into this like business bitch girl, but also I've been a yoga teacher, yoga meditation teacher for 12 years. And so like that girl too. So I had both components in my personality and she said, you know, have you heard of this human design stuff? It's kind of like astrology. And I was like, I've heard of it, but tell me more. And she was building her business at the time, uh, as a baby nurse, um, and, and helping parents. And she said, I want to help parents know how to better parent their kids using this personality model. And I think at the time I was like a few months pregnant with my first son, And I was like, I got to know more about this. And that's my personality style. Also, like when I find something and I love it, I fall in really hard. (laughs) And I just started reading everything I could read on the internet, buying books, listening to podcasts. uh, And I just became completely enamored with the system and what it was telling me and the permission that it gave me to really understand, you know, the depths and the blueprint of, of who I was. Um, I then started to get fascinated. And I think this is pretty similar to people who find human design and love human design, you know, asking everybody they know <laughs> for their birthday, birth time and birth location. So I could run all their charts. And what I was finding was really fascinating. And I was understanding that 
the way that my life had unfolded and my lived experiences wasn't the only component of the way that, you know, I interacted with people and how I felt about myself and other people, there was this kind of hidden layer of information and that's what human design was for me. And, and that's how I found it. I love that. And you said something in the beginning of that story, how when you are coming across so many like different hard situations or toxic situations, uh, is like taking a look inward, which you did. And then you discovered this. Absolutely. And I think it's important to mention and talk about it. So my, one of my personal mentors, Susie Batiz, who is the founder of Poopery and an incredible spiritual leader, she will always say your inner energy is projected outwards, right? So your inner world as a, your outer world as a reflection of what's going on inward. And I don't like to minimize, you know, that the world is a scary place and bad things happen to great people. And I don't love the way that the wellness community has sort of co-opted this love and light. Um, one of my favorite authors always says, you know, that love and light and just kind of smile and affirm yourself through it is like staring at the sun while you're standing in a pile of shit. And, and so a lot of it really is, um, while it, there is so much actual science that goes behind resonance science, right? People who are in a bad place will generally attract bad things. And people who are in a great place will attract great things. Um, sometimes I think that can be oversimplified in our little industry of ours. Um, and, and we forget that there are people out there who are, you know, having traumatic experiences that they didn't bring upon themselves because of their energy. So important for me to always caveat that. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that because I, I do feel the same. And also like mental health plays a part in that too. It's like, I just think there's so many caveats to it and I'm glad you brought that up. But, um, so what is your, um, human design specifically? I'm curious. I'm personally a four, six emotional manifester manifestors to, to recap are about 9% of people in the world. And we're here to kind of initiate and fire start and get things going. And then to back off, like the cadence of our energy is really these intense bursts and intense periods of rest. So when I was in this sort of corporate and startup culture, I was obsessed with bursting, right? I was constantly bursting and using this intense energy to sort of outpace everybody else around me. But then when it was time for rest, I would get depressed and I would feel guilty for resting. And I would feel shameful that I couldn't sudden, suddenly out of nowhere, all my energy was gone and that I couldn't be consistent because our culture and capitalism love to say that consistency is like the key to success. And I think that that's not true, right? I've seen plenty of examples of people who are completely inconsistent and wildly successful. It's just, that's something that we often hold on to internalize and we're modeled at young ages to say, if you're consistent and if you just keep going, success is inevitable, right? And so I had this deep seated belief uh, that because I wasn't consistent and because one day I loved something to be able to do weeks worth of work in hours of time. And then the next day I could, couldn't bear, I could barely get out of bed that something was deeply wrong with me. And when I learned that I was manifester and I learned about this particular cadence of burst and rest, it was like this wave of permission and aha came over me. That said like, this is the way I meant to go. And of course I find myself trying to outrun my bursts all the time. And I'm still kind of a recovering 
uh, over efficiency <laughs> addict. Um, but knowing how my energy works and that that's my cadence. So helped me to basically say, okay, you have to rest. The quality of your burst is going to be exactly the quality of your rest. Uh, and the other day I was, I had like two more hours till I had to pick up my son from school. And I was like, had a to-do list mile long and I was exhausted. And I was like, I can either stare at my computer, fuel up with, you know, caffeine that's just borrowing energy from tomorrow or I can go rest. Like I can get in my bed and read a book and not in a way of like, I'm in my bed. This feels so shameful. I can't believe I'm in my bed, like genuinely hardcore rest. And I did it. And the following morning, I like woke up an hour before my alarm and had like thousands of ideas, like coming out of my head. I had to pull up my computer and write them all down. And literally in 45 minutes, I had like a content plan of like 75 pieces of content for like a business part of my business that I haven't launched yet. And so it just goes to show that we're not all the thing I love about energy type is that it's a reminder that we're not all made to move in the same cadence. And we're not all given this like cup right at the beginning of our lives or at the beginning of every day and said, well, that person used it so efficiently. They're good. And that person used it poorly and they're bad and they're lazy. That's just not how it is. Um, and it's just a beautiful reminder when so much, so many of us are suffering from burnout and um, languishing, which is like a new term that everybody now knows, uh, that we're there, we're burning out because we are not paying any homage to the way that we are uniquely created to be. You're bringing up so many relevant points right now. Like this week, <laughs> I've been like on the edge of burnout and trying to just get past like my headspace of feeling like I have to be productive all the freaking time. And it's really hard because it truly is so ingrained in like everyday life, like even outside of work. And, um, it's, it's interesting that you brought up the, the point of consistency too, because that's something that I say. And I'm like, am I saying that because I actually believe it? Or am I saying that just because I'm like repeating what someone told me? Um, because consistently typically does not work for me. And I'm not really a consistent person, um, <laughs> which is interesting. But I think that's what I like about human design, because to me, astrology is great. Like I do love looking into my astrology, but it tells me about myself and it doesn't really tell me what to do with that. And human design almost feels like it's more comprehensive. It like maps it out and kind of gives you the next steps of like, oh, this is like what your energy is kind of like, and like, this is maybe what you should do with it. And I think that's what I really enjoy about human design. Yeah. I think that, you know, astrology is a giant part of human design. So human design as a system is a quantum system. It's made up of both ancient traditions, like astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah and the Hindu Brahman chakra system. And also Sciences like quantum mechanics, biochemistry, genetics, and astrology, or astronomy, sorry, the other one, the science one. Um, and it's a dense system, right? And, and, but what it does do is, you know, there, while we have transits and things that we're more commonly see in astrology, like of, you know, when Mercury is in retrograde or your planet, this is in that particular, you know, part of the world. Um, we first start human design with like the self right? What's going on here? Um, and you know, the very 
many, many, many different permutations that make two charts completely unique. And so, you know, your charts that have similarities, which like always kind of tells me that not that always people will get along, but that there's a lot of similarities that, you know, you can see and mirror in each other that feel really comforting. It's almost like looking in the mirror. Um, you know, Bailey, you're, uh, you're a generator, um, you're pure, what we call pure generator, a sacral generator. And Natalie, you are an emotion, an emotional manifesting generator. So you both, you know, if we're talking about burnout, you both have this thing where things need to be a yes for you, right? So you have access to tons of this life force energy, but only for things that really, truly light you up. And for you, Natalie, that's probably going to be a lot of things like tons of diversity in that things. That's kind of the difference between the manifesting generator and the generator. Sometimes we, um, an, an analogy that is used a lot in this industry is this idea of worker bees and the idea that, you know, the generator is this worker bee who's like, goes from, you know, one flower in the bunch to the next flower in the bunch and sort of stays in the same neighborhood. And the manifesting generator like starts in one neighborhood, goes across town to the next neighborhood, comes all the way back and just like has a ton of this diversity and sense of like being a multi-hyphenate. Um, and so when you think about that, you also have to think about your, your, your ground, the grounding part of the thing that makes a generator or a manifesting generator, those types is having a defined sacral center, having access to sacral gut energy. And that gut is a very binary place. It's a place of yes or no. And so your gut will tell you, is this a yes for me? Is this a no for me? So many of us have been going through life for so long, overriding those responses that we get to this point where, you know, you might learn that you're a generator or a manifesting generator. And you say, I don't know what's a yes or a no for me at all. I can't feel that in my body. I have no clue because I've spent so much of my life looking outwards for, um, acknowledgement and permission. Um, and just to like, is everything okay? Right. We're like equalizing energy a lot. We do that as children and adolescents. Um, and so coming back to that sacral response and saying, is this something I really, really want to do? And then doing that with every single thing that you do in your day can be exhausting. And there's one thing that I always like to share with generators and manifesting generators is that, you know, there's always going to be things you don't want to do, no matter what your energy type is, not just for generators and manifesting generators. And the thing that I liken it to do is like, nobody like loves doing the dishes, right? And if you do come, please call me. You can come live with me. I will, I'll take care of you. Just do all my dishes, but nobody loves, right. To do all the dishes, but the idea of doing the dishes and keeping your home clean and keeping yourself well-fed and keeping yourself safe, right. That higher yes of all of those things makes that I'm going to do this dish, not so big of a deal. But if you were in an assembly line and all you did all day, every day was dishes, 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 you'd lose it, right? If you didn't love doing dishes. So there are, when there are, when there are things that are a no that you, you know, I'm putting in air quotes, have to do, you have to ask yourself, is this in service to a higher yes, right? Am I in this job or am I working nights at my, you know, side hustle? 
in service to a bigger and higher yes. And that can kind of not only keep you motivated, but keep you from burnout. But always, if you tip the scales too far in that, I'm going to just do it anyway, or I'm going to say yes when I want to say no, I'm going to override that sacral gut response, you're going to burn out every time, right? Without fail. This is like so (laughs) relevant. I feel like Bailey and I, especially this week, well, okay. One where you were saying we have a lot of similar energies and it's kind of like a mirror. Bailey and I consistently are like, why are we always on the same page? Like, we'll always talk about how we're feeling at the same time. And it's, it's comforting. Like you said, it's literally that, like, I love it. (laughs) And then with the podcast, I feel like this week we've been talking about that, like, sacral response. Like we're just revisiting things, even like work and stuff like that. We're feeling like overwhelmed and we're doing a lot of things and we're like, how are they like fueling us? And this is also relevant to just current conversations Bale and I are having. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think something too, that Nat, you and I do pretty often, this is what Nikki, what you were just saying, kind of, um, it feels like we're, we're evaluating as we go. It's like, why are we doing this? Like, what is the purpose kind of to get to that higher, um, reason or like that? Yes. Like, is it still a yes for us? Like, even though like day to day, it might be like really grindy. Um, like, are we still aligned with that? Like higher? Yes. And I think we do try to evaluate as we go, just like in day-to-day life. Um, so maybe that is us living in our human design a little bit. It is. And And I will say one thing that always kind of abruptly surprises generators and manifesting generators is this idea that something could be a yes for you one day and be a no the next, right? I've had clients who have massive, you know, Instagram followings that, you know, some other business people would be like, I got to get my hands on something like that. And they're like, I don't want to be the plant lady anymore. I don't want to be the, this person anymore. And they they don't know what to do because it's their identity and that's how people know them. But one day they wake up and they're like, this is a no for me. And you have to honor that. And that can be really chaotic in the scope and the cadence of actual life. Right. And so I think it's always a balancing act, right? We have this information about human design. We have our lived experiences and who we've been being for the entirety of our lives and working that in can sometimes cause a lot of uproar. And one thing that I think is really important to talk about, you know, when you guys work together is that while your energies, so the areas in your charts that are defined and undefined are quite similar. So when we talk about defined and undefined, we're talking about um, the, if it's colored in or if it's white in your chart, if you're listening at home and looking at your chart and where it's colored in, it means it's just that you have consistent and reliable energy there. The other place is it's not that it's not consistent, or it's not that you don't have energy. It's just not consistent. And you can sort of, if it's white, those are areas in your life and in yourself that you tend to sort of amplify and magnify the energy of others. So while you have really similar mirror energies, Natalie, you have a little bit more in the, especially when it comes to, um, so you have your throat center and your solar plexus center, which governs emotions defined to each other. Rebelli, you don't have that. Um, and so a lot of this podcasting, right. Where we're literally using our voices. I think that energy, you know, comes from, it, it initiates with you, Natalie, but Bill, you get to amplify and magnify Natalie's voice in, in a big way. 
The other thing that makes you pretty fundamentally different are the way that you are geared and wired to make decisions. So while you both have that sacral gut experience, Bailey, you're really made to make decisions in that way in a very, very binary yes or no it's happening. It's if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no kind of situation. And Natalie, you're much more designed to make what we call emotional decisions. Um, which means that you have kind of a wave of things that go on when someone asks you. So if if I say, Hey, Natalie, do you want to do this brand partnership? Your first reaction might be like, Oh my God, that's such a yes. And the second reaction would be like, that feels like a lot of work. And then you're like, yes, actually that'd be really so much fun. It'd be so good for our podcast. And then you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this company is aligned. So you're going in and out of that. And society has told us, and by the way, 50% of people have what is called emotional authority. Natalie, you and I um, represent that 50% right here in this conversation. And so many people are told that that kind of mental gymnastics is actually indecision and it's bad and we should fear that. What's really going on is that those waves, those ups and downs are setting the parameters of how important this decision is, right? You're probably not having massive, you know, tidal wave differences in the waves when someone asks you what you want for lunch. But if someone's going to ask you big decisions like, will you marry me? Or, you know, will you move across the country? (laughs) These types of things need time to marinate um, because the sort of mantra for people with emotional authority is that there's no truth in the right now. So when you think about this business that you guys are running, this podcast, this experience that you share with your listeners, and you have to make decisions honoring that each of you has their own process is so fundamentally important, right? So Bailey, like you might be like, Hey, I got to get this guest on the blah, blah, blah. I want to get that. What do you think, Natalie? And Natalie be like, can I get back to you tomorrow? And you're like tomorrow, like tomorrow. I can't do tomorrow. I have to know now. Literally. And, yeah. <laughs> this is so on point. <laughs> Right. So, and Natalie just like, just needs that little bit more time to feel it out. Um, and, and so it's really important for you, Natalie, to like, ask for that permission. Can I get that day? Can I get the two days? Can I get back to you after I've slept on it? Um, and kind of, I find it, it's more fun when you sort of like poke fun at each other and be like, like Bailey, slowly roll. Like I'm not, I can't, jump into that sacral as much as you can, um, and really honor that, that that's a big part of each of you. Um, and you get to have both. It just, you can't have both at the same time. Yeah, totally. I'm glad we kind of have a reason, uh, for this now, I guess, because we definitely know this about each other and I don't think we've ever verbalized it, but like all comes to Natalie and I'll be like, this is awesome. We have to do this right now. And she's like, uh, maybe I, let me let's like think about it and I'm like okay but like it's really cool like we should do it right now um so that's like that's absolutely accurate um and I feel like we have our own process for getting through that but it's nice to like know kind of why we're doing that um to just have that once again like have that like why behind it and have that uh purpose for decision making I guess yeah when you know so cool. why right when you know why mm-hmm. you don't go into these tailspins of like the drama that goes on in our minds and our heads where like, let's say, you know, Natalie does ask for a 24 hour stewing thinking period. And then Bailey, you're like, well, 
this could be the greatest thing for our podcast. This would be the greatest thing. Why doesn't she want to support this? What's going on? And like fall into this super deep rabbit hole of making up stories, which is essentially what our brain does all the time about everything about why Natalie's not being supportive of your vision. And it has nothing to do with that. And so you get to like cut the chaos at the source when you know that's what's really going on. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm just like over here. Good thing I'm on mute because I keep like laughing and smiling and chuckling to myself like, oh my God, hitting the nail on the head. Um, like even like we'll meet Zoom, whatever. We're not in person anymore, but we'll Zoom and we'll like have little brainstorm sessions and bail will go like a thousand miles a minute, like decision, decision, decision. And I'm like, I'm still on the first one. You just said like, I can't, I'm not even where you are. (laughs) And this makes sense. It's because I'm literally, as I'm faced with a decision, you don't I mean, I realize it because I'm a little bit slower, but it's that moment where I'm going up and down and making all these, like, it could go this way or it it could go this way. And just kind of analyzing it a little bit slower. And when it comes to decisions, right. You Bailey might be way faster on that pace uh, then you would be Natalie. But when it comes to like variety and of, of like guests, like you might just way outpace Bailey, Natalie, like you might be like, Oh my God, should we do someone like who knits? And then we'll should we do someone who does human design. And then she's like, and Bailey's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like you're swirling my brain here with all of these ideas. Um, because of that difference between being that manifesting generator and having that multi hyphenate and like just depth of interest. And then being sort of the the standard generator. Yeah. I'm intrigued what is in my, I don't know, maybe you see something in my chart, but I almost feel like I'm definitely multifaceted in the sense where I have like so many hobbies and I'll like have so many like interests and it'll be short-term, long-term, whatever it might be. Um, so I feel that, but like with guests for the podcast, I feel like sometimes Bailey's more of the one to be like, let's have like a this kind of guest on like a astronaut guest or something like that. And I'm like, what the heck, where did this come from? So is there, do you see anything in our charts where maybe it might not be that way? So the first thing that's always really interesting to bring up in human design that I I should have caveated a while ago is that it reminds us that we are all walking contradictions of ourselves, like wildly. There are places in both of your charts where you have like a tiny bit of consistency and others where it's like, there's no consistency here at all. And we're all walking. And what it reminds us of is that there is permission to have not only duality, right. Of, of being able to be this two completely different things at once, but to, to transcend duality and have, you know, non-duality, like I get to be everything. I get to be sort of super universal. Um, because we come from a society that teaches us like, no, no, put you in a box. And I don't really blame society, right? I'm not one of these people who's like a total anarchist. If you think about the logistics of trying to manage and feed and educate 7.7 billion unique people on this earth, of course you have to put people in boxes. Of course you have to sort of understand things by gender and race and nationality and education and all of these things, not that it's good or that we've been doing a good job of it. We're doing a a piss poor job of it. But when we kind of go into this quest of, you know, who am I in the most unique way, it bucks against a lot of our subconscious beliefs about which box we 
quote, quote, belong in which box we were modeled that, oh, you're a woman behave like this. Oh, you're from this state and city behave like this. And all these things that we were told, this is how you are. And this is what people who are that do. And so you might just have a subconscious belief that like, you got to stay, you know, you're in this hobby and you got to stay laser focused and you could be in a completely different hobby and you're going to stay laser focused that like, I don't know why knitting always comes up. I'm, I don't knit at all, but like, it comes up a lot of my analogies, but like, you might be like, I just knit scarves, right? I knit and I do podcasting and I do all these things, but when I'm knitting, it's all about the scarves, baby. Right. And so I don't, you know, that just might be something that you were modeled or taught or shown that's really important to you. And that your kind of multifacetedness comes at a different level where you're like, when it's, I don't need to be a total multi-hyphenate when it comes to the podcast, but I do need the podcast and these other 17 hobbies to really make myself feel fulfilled. Okay. That makes sense now. That definitely, I relate way more with that. Um, so like, what is, what else is there aside from manifesting generator and the sacral, like, what are some other parts of our charts that might be like, that you're seeing? And I don't know, you thought was kind of interesting and parallel to each other. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about your energy type, which is literally energy with which you can move through the world. We've talked about your authority, which is how you guys make decisions. The third thing that I love talking about in sessions and sort of right off the bat is what we call profile. And this is the role that you're meant to play in this world. And obviously, you know, Rauru who downloaded and channeled the system called this the costume of your purpose, right? So it's almost like if you were to take on this costume, what would it look like? Um, And there's two elements that are part of this. It's what we call lines and it comes to us from the Chinese I Ching and they're lines one through six. So you'll see in your chart, like a fraction number. And so Natalie in yours, you have the, the, the number six, two and Bailey in yours, you have two, four. So you both have this two line, which brings a lot in common. And I'll talk about that one first, the two line, and nobody hates hearing this is we I've nicknamed the genius line, right? And so there's this other people have nicknamed it the hermit line. So we're going to take both and we're going to like mix them up. And this idea is that two lines have a deep, deep, deep innate sense of information, right? Something that they just know. They don't know how they know that they know it. They don't know why they know that they know it, but they just know it. And what happens when they present society with this information is that our society will say, well, how did you know that? And why do you know that? And you need to prove everything like we're in 10th grade geometry and give me an entire theorem for why you know this. And the two line freaks out because the two line doesn't know how they know that they know this or why they know what they know. And they become that hermit, right? They like go into their shell and they really feel this belief that, oh my God, it's not safe to know these things because people are just going to challenge me. So the best thing that a two line can do to not only like nurture and nourish this inner genius, it's not only share it, but to share it with people who are just like, oh my God, just give me all of this. Give me it all. Right. I don't need to know where it comes from. I don't need to justify it. Just tell me everything you know about this particular thing. And that could be anything, right. That could be something in school that came really easily to you. That could be, you know, maybe you just like know how to 
run marathons and nobody taught you how like to breathe and move your feet and pace and all of these things. You just know how to do it. This can be anything in life. But when, if you're sitting there, either, either of you or listeners, and you're saying like, I don't feel like I'm a genius about anything. The key is to look at the places that you, like, they're just things that you just think are secondhand that everybody knows that actually nobody really knows about. You just know about it's part of your inner genius and that wisdom. And then the, also the things that you might feel shame for knowing, because as a young child, when you express them, people would be like, well, how do you know that? You don't know that, right? You don't know anything. You're a kid. How many times did we hear that? Maybe kinder when we were children, but I think we all heard that in some way, shape or form. So how does that two line resonate for each of you? Do you, how do you guys experience that? Yeah, that like fully resonates with me. And I, I find quite often that I completely cut people off in my life or not on purpose, but I shut down with people if they ever question me or, and and not about everything, obviously, but with those more inner knowings, if people question me, I really shut down and I like truly become that hermit. And I was just talking to my boyfriend about this because we started dating, like, I don't know, six months ago, like not, not too long ago. And I like thanked him the other day. I was like, thank you for never shutting me down about like my crazy ideas and like my crazy thoughts. Because when, when people do that to me, I really just shut down and like, I don't know why. And like, I don't know why I am saying these things anyway, but they just feel so close to me. Um, and I don't really have a good example of like what those things are exactly, but, um, anytime someone questions that or like questions my understanding of it, I just really like completely shut down. So I totally see where the hermit aspect of that comes in. Yeah. Those, that questioning is literally eroding the fabric of your genius. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so to do fear and anxiety and subconscious limiting beliefs, right. Kind of erode and pick at that inner genius and that inner knowing. And I watched this amazing YouTube video today, um, about kind of exploring inner genius and standing in your genius. And, and what they were saying is that, you know, geniuses don't have, it's, we have this idea that geniuses just have this information or this ability that other people don't have. And it actually has nothing to do with that. It more has something to do with like, we all think the things that geniuses think geniuses have less of a filter to say like, that's not going to work or that's idiotic. Um, and they put it out there. So when they're met with that resistance or the fear or anxiety or subconscious meaning beliefs with this, which is the internal resistance, you really are eroding at that fabric of what you're put on this earth to talk about and feel and experience and show other people. Yeah. I was going to say kind of similarly to what Bailey said, but I always find myself, I'll just be talking to friends who family, like whoever it is I'm talking to, but I'll always have these moments where I'm like, yeah, I heard this from somewhere. I don't remember where, but like, this is the way it is. Like, I'll just say like random facts and I have no idea where I've read it. Or even if like, I don't know the source and I'll just say it, but I know it's true. Like there's a hundred percent moments where I'm like, I know this is true, but I don't know where I read it or saw it, but, and then I'll say it. Um, and I always feel so uncomfortable in those moments. Cause I'm like, it's usually like, my two brothers are very like analytical and need facts or need sources. And they'll always question me and challenge me. They're like, well, if you don't know where it's from, it's not true. Like literally what you were saying. And siblings like, are the worst in that way. Like they're the most triggering, right? Our parents and our siblings and our closest friends are always the most triggering to our growth because they've known us forever. 
And we are the average of all of the people we've been over the course of our entire lives. And you're like, no, 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 see me who, for who I am in this instant, right? The most learned, the most enlightened person that I am is who I am right now. And siblings and and parents and close friends are just like, nah, I'm going to see you for that idiot you were when you were in high school. Literally. Yeah. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it so much. And then like one thing, um, I'm trying to think of like a specific example. I would say, honestly, so I used to be like a, a buyer in the fashion industry. And I would say I even went to school for fashion and stuff like that. And I would always feel like other people who are in my major or in my like career, they always would watch runways and be way more into designers than I would, but I would still know like trends or like, I didn't do research. I just kind of like, I just always kind of felt this natural, like this is the trend right now, or this is like the style or where the, the era it came from. Like, I just kind of always knew and it didn't really like, I always felt like an outcast in a sense. Cause I didn't watch these runways and people be like, I love this designer. And I'm like, I've never heard of that designer. Right. Right. <laughs> so- and some people need, right. To take all, to amplify and magnify the energy of a runway show or a designer to, to create on them. They're on their own. And I think what you're experiencing through this two line is just like, you know, you know, what's cool. You know what you find cool. You know, what might be the next big thing. Um, and good for you for following that. Yeah. I mean, it was hard. (laughs) There were definitely moments where I would be embarrassed to say like, Oh, I don't know that fashion show or I don't know that designer or I don't, you, you know, I would just, it just was uncomfortable. And I would definitely like, that's as of recently, I've been like, okay, I don't care if I say like, I don't know, like I will say like, oh, I've never heard of that. I never read that. But in the past, I definitely was way more like submissive in that sense. And I would, I mean, it was a lie. I'd be like, yeah, I know who that is. I had no idea. So it's helped me grow for sure. And just be more comfortable with that. And hearing that it's in my chart, makes me even feel more comfortable being like, yeah, I don't know. And it's okay that I don't know where it's from or how I know this. I love that. I don't know. Right. Too many of us like, and, and it's not our fault, right? The first thing that everybody inherently says when you're like, oh, I don't know that movie. People are like, you don't know that movie. And it's like the shame spiral of like, you don't know you're dumb. And of course we don't like admitting that. Right. But when we start doing that, we get to kind of stand and, and honor the places and the things that we really do know. And we get to not have that chaotic confusion of like, wait, what did I say? I knew that I don't actually know about that. I have to go Google versus like, what can I own? Right. And what, who, what do I really, really innately know that I can be super proud of that I can go through my life being the messenger for. Yeah. I love that. I mean, there's, there's so much pressure to know all of these things and like always be up to date with the news and like be full, fully studied in whatever you do for work. And like, really the only thing that you can ever know is what is inside of you and like what your experiences are. So we shouldn't be questioning people. I mean, we can question people, obviously it's good to like look into things, but it it, like the dumb example of like, you don't know that movie. Like we don't have to know everything. Um, so I, I want to ask you a question because something that I'm curious about with human design. So one of my friends, uh, and she'll probably listen to this episode and be happy that I'm speaking of her, but she listened to our last human design episode and like did a deep dive into it. And she was giving me like a brief reading the other day. 
And so we were talking about the North node, which I believe is like your purpose or your, the direction that you should be going in life. If like everything is aligned. Um, and I could be wrong about that. So feel free to call me out, but I'm very interested in that concept and idea. And I don't know if you can like dig deep into our charts right now and look at that, but I'm just curious if you can like talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, um, I will say that this type of like this depth of, of human design, I generally don't get into to like many, many sessions, but I do want to kind of honor this curiosity and because there's so much information, right. Just in the foundations. So I don't like evade it because I think it's bad or I don't know about it. I just think like, there's so much power in knowing your basics. Um, and like trying to live that way, right. Trying to live as a generator, a manifesting generator for me as a manifester is a daily spiritual practice. But I will say, um, that on your, both your North node, um, you you're expressed in different gates. So there's 64 gates in human design. Each of these are sort of like strengths and weaknesses, um, that you have. And, um, Bailey, your, no, your North node sits just looking, um, it's expressed through the one line, which is the line of like digging and learning and becoming an expert and learning from experts. Um, but it sits in your splenic center, um, in the mind side. So your intuition, the seat of your intuition, and it sits in your Oh, actually they both, sorry. They both sit in your, um, splenic, uh, your splenic center. So the spleen is the center of your intuition. And that's a place where you have, um, defined center, consistent, reliable energy. And so a lot of, so my personal interpretation of that would be that your intuition is a big part of like where you're meant to go using your intuition, honing your intuition, exploring your intuition, being coming educated on intuitive processes and all, all of those types of things is a big part of like how you are meant to show up, right. That, that North node greater purpose, um, whether that's, you're like helping people hone in their intuition maybe, or intuitively, um, respond, uh, because as a generator, your kind of strategy, as we call it, is to respond, um, and really kind of honing in on that intuition. Does that speak to you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I have always been very curious about my intuition and I think that's probably a sign to some degree. Um, so I'm excur- I'm curious to explore that a little bit more, but that definitely like aligns. Um, is, is that true though? Like your North node is kind of what you should be, uh, focusing on, um, to like move forward kind of like in my head, it's almost like a compass, like North node, like that's you moving forward in life. Um, is that a correct interpretation? That's definitely an interpretation. I would say like, that's the, the interesting thing about having such a deep, um, and, and just intense system like human design is there so many components that you could really get lost. And I would, will say the first year that I studied human design, I was obsessed with this idea that if I just knew everything about my chart, it would all work out, right? Like I didn't have to do any work. I didn't have to 
try to go be a manifester in the world. If I just knew about every single gate I had to find and every placement and my North node and this, all these different, um, like celestial placements, oh, that everything would just fall into place. What I discovered later and what I've made kind of what my purpose is. And a lot of my teaching is really in embodying, uh, these parts of us. And so for me, North node or not, you're going in the right direction when you are living in flow and living in alignment and sort of choosing yourself and your patterns and your uniqueness and finding places to nourish those things all the time, which is so hard, right? It's, it's so difficult and it's why I have a business, right? It's why I have a career because I love helping people do that, that stuff and do that work. So it's easy, you know, I think that you can definitely grab little components of your human design chart and allow those to lead you, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but a lot of my personal, the way that I see things is a lot less like, where are we going and how can we return to who we really are to let that guide us forward? Yeah, I like that. And I feel like sometimes, um, it's that kind of concept where a lot of people look for one specific answer and like, if I know you'll this, find it, yeah. you'll find it in your human design chart. It's got, like I said, we're contradictions of ourselves. It's got everything. You've yeah. got everything in there. Um, you'll find it. <laughs> um, so I just want to go back to the number twos. Cause I was curious. Um, you said, I forget mine. Bailey's was in the first part of the profile. I don't know the specific term. And then mine was in the second. Is yeah. that significant? It is. And so when it's in the first part, it has to do more with your personality. Um, when it has what's in the second part, it has what we call um, much more to do with your design. Um, some people will say when it's in the first part of your um, profile. It's something that like you've been used to in the second part. It's something you have to uh, start approaching and start learning about yourself. I, I don't love that one. I think that's an oversimplification. I think that like both are totally holistically part of you. Um, and so while there is some significance, there's not, you know, you may experience them differently. You're also experiencing them differently because of the other numbers in your profile. And so I want to, I'm glad we kind of circled back around because I'm glad we can touch base on this. Bailey, for you, the other part of your profile is the four line. And I have this four line too. And I, I just love this, this line because it's the community line. And basically the, the being a four line means that you're going to find what you need through your network, right? If you need an apartment, you're going to find one through a friend of a friend. Like I literally sold, I didn't even put my house on the market. When we sold our house a year ago, a friend of mine came and said, I have a buyer for your house. Do you want to sell it? And I was like, ah, for the right price. And it was a friend of a friend who bought our house. Um, and so all of the, you know, I met my husband through a friend of a friend, all of these things are going to happen through your network. And the idea really is, is that the concept of a rising tide lifts all ships. So the more you invest in your community, the more you rise with the community itself. So it might be the reason why you've loved like 
um, maybe group programming or networking or things that help you facilitate community in a much easier way, because that's sort of your path. And so when you, when you combine the two and the four and you kind of look at the two and the four holistically together, I really see it as, you know, your genius is meant to be shared with that community. The right communities are those who don't question that genius and don't ask you to prove your value. Um, and the more that you can be lifted, lift up by that community and understood, um, and your genius can be understood by that community, the, the more successful and the more prolific, um, you will be, and the more you'll find what you need. Right. So I always like, if I need something, if I need a new house or I need a friend or I need a babysitter or anything, I look through my network first. And so developing and nourishing and honoring my network is a big practice of mine. Bail, I definitely feel like that. Uh, you're always the networker in my head. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. It's interesting too. And I don't know if you experience this through readings. It, it's interesting because I feel like I was very stubborn for a long time of just like doing things on my own and just getting it done. And like I was doing it, but I was much more successful when I was relying on my community. And like, I think that's why I'm much calmer now and like much more at peace because I have a community that I can rely on and I do rely on. And it's like, that is me living in my human design and it's like working out for me. Um, so do you find that in your readings that like, you can see when people are happier and aligned, like rather than, um, not aligned and like living to that. Yeah. I think, you know, there are a lot of times where we just spend a lot, we spend a lot of our energy in our life, in our shadow side. Right. So, you know, somewhere, someone mentioned to you that like, you've got to be able to do it on your own. Right. And so you took that and you're like, oh, the part of me that needs community is weak and bad. And I'm just not going to embrace that um, until you like really saw it play out in your life that no, wow, this is a huge part of me. So I see that all the time. Um, and I think that is so common and is such a important reason to, to step into this human design work and to really understand it because we get to understand that the chatter about all the things that we are, aren't, or shouldn't, or shouldn't be goes away. And we get to kind of step into that place, um, of, of just that, that kind of standard of, okay, this is who I am. I can exercise that, right. The two, four, you as a two, four, and someone else as a two, four are in completely different costumes, right. You're still in different, different roles, one person might be an HR manager and one person might be a podcaster or like a million different ways, but the way that you go about that is, can be really similar. Um, and so the other side of this, right. For you, Natalie, uh, is you have, it's funny. Um, the lines that each of you have differently are the lines that I both, that I have both of. So I'm a four, six, um, and Bailey, you have that four and Natalie, you have that six and you guys share that too. So six lines are pretty interesting and pretty different in that they live life in three separate phases. And so the first phase is from zero to 30. It's the phase that you, Natalie, are in right now. And it's a phase of total and utter experimentation, right? So you're trying all of the things. I'm going to try to be a podcaster. I'm going to try to be um, and, and add manifesting generator to that. And you're really trying all of the things. And so in this phase of life, the most nourishing thing for you to do is to be with people who allow you to experiment, be with people who allow you to touch the hot stove, to know what hot stove 
is right. And not say like, no, 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 no. You can't touch that. It's so hot. Like you'll burn yourself. And you're like, no, no, I need to touch it. I need to know what's hot. You know, what does that really feel like? It's a, it's a really intense experiential learning. Um, and so that's from zero to 30. And then around your Saturn return around 30, you go into the second phase from 30 to 50, which is a phase of like, I call it alchemy. So you're basically taking all of those experiences and your, and experiments, and you're continuing to experiment and experience, and you're starting to turn them into wisdom. It's almost like you get this machine where you like plop in the experience and out plops wisdom. And then you have all these little widgets of wisdom that you get to like organize into a a throne. And suddenly you look around after 20 years of doing this and you're like, holy shit, I've got a lot of wisdom I'm sitting on here. And that's where you get into the third phase, um, 50 plus, which is just really being a beacon of wisdom for many based on all of your experiences. So this is illustrated really in a really cool way in the movie Slumdog Millionaire, which is like by now a pretty old movie. So I don't know if listeners have heard it, but the idea basically is, is that this guy goes on home, wants to be a millionaire and he answers every single question, right? Because he learned about that thing based on the experience he had. And that's very six line energy. You might start, people might start coming to you and being like, Hey, I need advice on this. Um, and you're like, Oh, I can actually give you great advice on that because I experimented with that before, or I just did that experiment. I just learned about that. And so you'll start seeing that transition come up as you get closer to 30, I am in that second phase and I can tell you from personal experience that it happens all the time, um, but I'm still needing to experiment. I still need to try things, see what works. I still need to be environments that nurture that sense of experimentation to allow me to learn new things and glean new wisdom. Yeah, 100%. Even, um, so I'm like 27, closest to 30, um, but I do find a lot of friends um, will come to me for advice. And like you said, I still am not there yet. Like I need to experiment and I don't always have the answers, but I do find that sometimes I am that beacon where family, friends come to me for the advice. And I'm like, I just kind of am an ear at this point. I listen and I give the support they need, but I don't have the answers yet. Um but the thing you said about being around people right now that will let you experiment, I feel that right now with me moving here to California, I kind of stepped away from like my family where I felt safe, secure, like taken care of. Like my mom would be the one probably to like stop me from touching the stove. Um, but my, my boyfriend and my partner is like so supportive of anything I want to do. And like this podcast and like, he literally will tell me like, if you want to do something like follow your heart, do it. Like he's not going to stop me. And I feel like moving out here with him is putting me in that atmosphere where I'm able to experiment at this point in my life. So that 100% resonated with me and I'm excited. I always kind of felt like, like more to come in 30. Like, I don't know. It's kind of cool to hear that there's like kind of three phases for a six. And I've always felt like I'm not there yet. Like I I'm like waiting for 30. I feel like 30 is my 20, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you want to ask about manifestation, Bailey? Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask too, how, because when I first like looked you up and we were doing like our preliminary research, it's like big in your Instagram profile, um, aligns manifestation. So I just wanted to ask how this fits into human design for you. Yeah. So what I consider the old paradigm of manifestation and what I think is actually extremely toxic is this idea that manifestation is me looking over at my neighbor and saying, what are the things that they have that I don't have? And that kind of 
neighbor conversation and jealousy and comparison gets infinitely magnetized when you are like me and spend way too much time on Instagram. And so when we manifest from that place, when we put energy into trying to call in things that we don't have and that we just want because other people have it, it's an, it's a never ending process. And it's really not satisfying because there's always going to be people out there who have things that we want. And so this very kind of toxic view of manifestation where people are like, do exactly what I did. And you too can have the house in Beverly Hills and the car and the partnership and all of the thing and the book deal, right? All the things that I have. And what happens when we try to do that, we try to follow other people's methods is that we end up failing because they're not for us. They're not unique to us. They're not for our composition of energy. And we say, we kind of feel like, oh my God, I failed. And we feel shame. It's almost like how we, as women will walk into a dressing room, put on a dress that like is very specific to like a random size that someone chose and be like, I failed this dress. Like I failed it. And instead of saying this dress failed me, this is not the dress for me. Right. We go into those dressing rooms and we say things like, well, if I go to the gym next week and I do this and I just eat healthy again, I won't fail this dress, right? I won't fail it. And I won't fail society for wanting me to be in this particular dress in this particular size. And that's just not the way to like maintain happiness or uniqueness or, or manifest anything. And so what I kind of discovered was that for me and my definition of manifestation is much more about closing the gap between the way that we're living our life versus the way that we are inherently designed to live our life. And so using human design as this tool to understand this litmus test of, okay, my energetic blueprint is as follows. I am a generator who is meant to have the sacral authority, right, Bailey? And I have um, this two, four profile. And not that there's an ideal or a perfect way to live that way, but there's probably certainly, and you've already probably experienced it in this conversation, ways that you're not living that way right? There's things you're saying yes to when you want to say no to. There's people who are making you try to prove yourself and your inner genius. There's things and thoughts and subconscious beliefs that you have about community being productive or threatening, right? And so all of those places, that Delta is the place that we really work on manifestation. And that's what I define as aligned manifestation is really closing that gap between who you are and who you're being and who you would like to become. Because when we go at that, we have, I see wild rates of success because those are things we can actually fix. We can return to ourselves over and over and over again. And it is a constant practice, right? It's not like a, Hey, join me for a few months and we'll figure it out. And then I'm going to like, let you go. It's a constant practice. And so I teach that process. And so I have a group program called the school of manifestation. And in that we go through and we, we, time it with the moon cycles, um, very feminine embodied energy. And we go through this phase where we start with assessment. Who am I? We do the human design work. We do what we've been doing here in this conversation today and figure out where have I, where do I step out of alignment? Where do I feel my not self theme, which we didn't get to talk about, but for you both is, is frustration, right? Where do I feel that red flag of frustration? For me, it's anger. Um, and how, what do I need to manifest to, to, to make that, to fill that gap? And we set our intentions at the beginning of the new moon. 
And then we go into what we, what I call alignment. And so we take that manifestation. And so I'll give you an example of one of mine was to, um, be much more in flow with my marketing and sales, right? But feel really in flow with that because I had a lot of shadow around speaking about my value and speaking about my products. Um, and so I wanted to kind of go to the places in my subconscious and in my being that weren't allowing me to inform, which is the, my strategy as a manifester and manifest being able to do that. And so I looked at in that alignment, you know, is that aligned with who I am? Yeah, that works out, right? Learning how to inform better and learning how to do that in the marketing and sales cauldron is totally aligned with my design. Now, we've talked a little bit about how neither of you tends towards natural consistency. So if you were to come in to the school of manifestation and say, I want to manifest working out every day at the gym at 5 a.m., make it happen. At that alignment check-in, we'd be like, why is that so important to you? Like, what story do you have around consistency and being at the gym at 5 a.m. that makes you feel so valuable? Because what we don't want to do is set you up for complete and utter failure because that's not aligned with your design at all. If you said, I want to feel a lot more mobility and I want to be at the gym more often, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. That's aligned, right? Let's figure out a way to, to, to let you and allow you to do that that works really well for you. The third step is sort of clearing. And so we use the practice of hypnotherapy um, in the school of manifestation, but there's plenty of ways to tap into your subconscious um, and understand what rooted beliefs do you have that will block your manifestation? Like what do you inherently believe in the depths of your being that make this manifestation impossible to come true? Um, and we try to clear those. And then the fourth step we is manifest really is not only to celebrate the manifestations that are always coming and that becoming that happens in this process, but also to check in to see if something manifested in a way that we didn't expect it to. And so we didn't necessarily notice it. It's to kind of use ourselves as community, right? There's my four line bail, like use this community aspect to really understand the depths of the ways that things can manifest without us understanding and knowing it. And it's almost like a, the way that a gratitude practice helps us return to like the basics and say like, wow, I'm, I'm safe and I'm clothed and I'm housed and all of these things. Um, and it helps us return and say like, wow, I actually did manifest. Remember that like sales call that came out of nowhere. Like I did manifest that, um, instead of being like my sales weren't 15 times what they were last month. And therefore I failed my manifestation. I love everything you just said. And I feel like, um, it's just way more true, especially the whole part about like aligned manifestation and how like one person trying to sell you their, if you do this, it'll work for you. Like I've always felt that was very like, no, not true. Like everyone's so different. And then your approach where it's super specific to the individual is like amazing. So with all this talk about alignment and your not self theme and all of these things, I'm curious to hear how you're as, you know, as the reader, how are you living your best life and in alignment? Yeah. So the interesting thing about the way that I've built my business is that I've built it to completely support me. Very selfish, right? Fully will admit. I've built it 
I built the school of manifestation because it was the program that I needed when I started this. It was the group that I needed. It were the it was the people. It was the type of self study that I couldn't find. Um, and honestly, was I really looking at my manifesto? I like to start things, right? Um, but that I needed when I started, and that I still need, right? I need my people, um, and they support me as much as I support them. And I will say that there's something magical that happens in every reading that I do, where I see myself in the people who I'm reading for, and I learn something and I got out of a session. I'm like, oh my God, we're here again. Like, oh God, here's, a, and, and it's because, and I truly believe that that business is a spiritual practice, right? Everything that comes up in my business is something that my subconscious is trying to show me and say, are we going to do this? Or are we going to do it a different way? Um, and so it, it benefits me immensely, right? <laughs> this this whole thing. Um, and I think that it's always important for me to talk about that. And it's important that I share that with my clients, uh, because I think that the age of the guru is kind of over, um, because I don't want to learn from an all knowing omnipotent being. I want to learn some from someone who's been in the fucking trenches with me. I want to learn from someone who's had it rough. I want to learn from other moms who are chasing after two and a half year old toddlers and, and doing, you know, doing the things that I have to do, not someone who's, you know, sitting on a yoga cushion in the middle of the forest, um, you know, silent for 30 days that, that doesn't do much for me. Uh, so I don't want to be, you know, that's like, I don't, I don't want to be anyone's guru. I want to be their loving, um, guide, uh, to, to help them. And, and this is probably a lot of my six line energy also of, I just kind of want to show them the way and look, this is how it worked for me, not do these 10 steps and it works, but you're on your own journey. Let's look at things that make you uniquely you so that you can figure out what that journey really looks like. Um, because my journey is not going to be your journey and replicating it is going to do nothing for you, but be an exercise in futility. It feels like your four line is coming up in that too, because you needed that community and you just built it yourself, which I love. Um, but Nikki, for our followers and listeners who don't already follow you, where can we find you? Where can they get a reading and tell us a little bit about, uh, your fun projects that you're releasing? Yeah. So I, on the kind of one-on-one personal side of things, sort of the, the life coach versus the business coach side of things. Um, you can book readings for me from, with me on my website, Nikki Braffman.com, um, or DM me on Instagram, just at Nikki Braffman. Uh, I have a learning account where I teach a lot more about human design. I've, I've paused it for a while just because the pandemic got crazy, but, um, that's on Instagram at human design for business. Um, where you kind of just teach about all things, energy type authority, profile, et cetera. Um, and it's just got a lot of really good resources that are like in, in posts that live there. Um, and then I have the school of manifestation, which open enrolls every month. We, we invite new people in at the new moon. Um, and then I have for kind of advanced practitioners, one-on-one, uh, six month and year long programs that I work with people very selectively and individually. Um, and then on the business side, I work with corporate, I work with teams, I work with solopreneurs on helping them uh, minimize chaos by really stepping into like, this is exactly how we're meant to work. And so my vision of business is that business will be one, a place in that spiritual practice, um, that people can truly be themselves and that that will be 
will boost the bottom line instead of hinder it in any way. Um, yeah. Uh, so Nikki Braffman.com at Nikki Braffman. Uh, I'm, I, I love chatting, right. I'm a manifester with a, with a lot to say. Um, so feel free to DM me, um, email me any questions that come up for you. Um, a project that I'm launching, I guess I'll probably be launched by the time this airs. So Monday is a project called love texts. Uh, and it's basically just a daily dose of love. I text you each day with a prompt or something to think about or a meditation, um, just things that come up that I want to tell you, um, about this journey and about becoming yourself and, um, stepping into that in the most loving way possible. I love that. And I definitely feel like some of our listeners will also love that considering we put out some journal prompts and I know people who would always do them. So that is right up their alley. Um, so super aligned. Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time, giving us a little bit of a reading. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. So thank you. Thank you both for having me. Thank you.